you could open your Bibles. I'd like to get right into the Word of God this morning. I'm going to read to you this morning from Daniel 11, verse 32. And the scholars of the Word and the theologians in the house, please forgive me, but I'm only going to read a portion of that script, that verse. I'm going to read the last portion. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And everybody say amen. Say bless the preacher, Lord. And let's do this. You may be seated. I guess if I'm going to title this sermon this morning, I'm going to call it a Holy Ghost Desperation. This is without a doubt and without question the greatest hour that the church has ever known. We're entering into the most exciting move of the Holy Ghost that we've ever experienced. I didn't expect an amen there, but that's the truth. The atmosphere of the world is tense with a feeling of destiny and the final pieces of this great prophetic puzzle all falling into place. Nations, world leaders, institutions, and churches, youth, and all other segments of society are being drawn into the final drama of prophetic fulfillment of the era known in the Bible as the times of the Gentiles. God is about to bring forth the grand finale, and it will be the greatest production ever produced by the Spirit of God in the history of the human race. That makes us the most privileged generation to have ever lived on the planet Earth. I want that to seek in on some of you this morning. We are a privileged generation to experience what we have this morning. We will not only witness these manifestations, but we will be the vessels through which the mighty power will flow to bring the final harvest of souls. Look, look around this morning. This is the vessels that is going to bring this to fruition. For the people who do know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. I believe in the miraculous and supernatural happenings in the book of Acts. And I believe that it will be common among us in the last days. But we must, I repeat, we must move out of our comfort zone to impact the harvest. I tell this church this morning it's time for a Holy Ghost desperation. And it's too late for anything else. It's too late for programs. It's too late for this and for that. It's time for a Holy Ghost desperation. Hear me this morning. In spite of our tremendous amount of activity that is found in our religious circles today, the church is still like a sleeping giant. But the fulfillment of the time is now. And we are experiencing revival and the beginning of a mighty awakening. We are experiencing, and we will be the vessels that bring this mighty revival. But many, instead of claiming it and thanking God for it, many are still looking for it. But the church, when fully awakened, will move unhindered with dynamic power, crossing all denominational boundaries, bridging all cultural barriers, penetrating all segments of society with this one God. Jesus' name, apostolic, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, message. 
and the Lord working with us and confirming the word with signs following. The fulfillment of the time is now. And as a young man this morning, I walk to this pulpit and I am proclaiming now is the time. Now is the time. Some of you are already getting nervous. Hang on, Jay. We got visitors this morning. Hang on, Jay. Hold up, son. Easy, easy, easy. You got to understand, visitors don't want formal church anymore. There's plenty of formal church out there. We have apostolic churches going to a formal church. What people are wanting now is a true, mighty, powerful work of the Holy Ghost. They, let me tell you something. Don't get nervous about the Holy Ghost beginning to fall. You don't have to defend it. It'll defend itself. God has matched us. That is you and me with the most important and dramatic time in the history of mankind. And we are the generation upon whom the ends of the world will come. And for such a time as this, God has called the United Pentecostal Church of Webster, Texas, known as Greater Life, to rally around the prayer of intercession that God would pour out the latter rain, that we may gather in the greatest harvest of souls that we have ever seen as a church or as an individual. Therefore, it is mandatory, not optional, it is mandatory that we begin to develop a new fervency. It is mandatory that we begin to develop a new passion, that we begin to develop that new passion with a new zeal. Some of you need to stir up the gift, the gift that settled down inside of you. Some of you need to begin to get the Holy Ghost and say, move through me, Lord. Take control of me, Lord. To rescue the perishing. That's why we got to do it. To rescue the, the hurting, the diseased, the despaired, and to set the captives free. How do you think all this stuff really got started? I'm glad you asked. It started in a prayer room in a city called Jerusalem when suddenly 120 men and women were continually praising and worshiping God. When there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them a cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. The great thing about that church is that it didn't stop there. They staggered forth out of that room into the streets of Jerusalem. Everybody thought they were drunk, but Peter said, These aren't drunk as you suppose. They divided and conquered impossible barriers. They impacted their world from Jerusalem until the uttermost parts. Until they shook and crumbled the mighty Roman Empire. And they turned their world upside down. The devil thought he was in complete control of this, this planet Earth, but soon found out that he was no match for the born-again church. He was no match for the Holy Ghost power. For the book of Acts tells the story of the power of the Holy Ghost uh, 
by the power of the name of Jesus with authority given to them, the power over the enemies. They had power over their enemies. The lame begin to walk. The dumb begin to talk. The deaf begin to hear. The blind begin to see and the dead were raised. Devils were cast out. All manners of sickness and disease were healed. Shadows and handkerchiefs and aprons did more to heal the sick than any hospital, than any doctor, than any physician, than any medical center. Take a look at the men. They were without social, political, or ecclesiastical prestige. They had no money. They had no real estate. And everything they had, they sold to follow Jesus. They had no printed literature. They had no tools of propaganda. Most of them were fishermen from Galilee, and not many were wise according to the the worldly standards. None of them were in a position of power. None of them were of noble birth. None of them were citizens of the Roman Empire. Acts Acts 4 says that they were called ignorant and unlearned, but they reached their known world, and nothing stopped them except for death. They kept going until death. They kept preaching until their death. They changed their world. They turned it upside down. The reason they believed and were were fully persuaded is that they took Jesus at his word when he said, Upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They took Jesus for what he said. They were convinced that he meant what he said. In Mark 16 and 16, when he said, These signs shall follow them that believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody's going to get it this morning. They were believers. It wasn't just something they, they believed one Sunday and then, and then lost out the next Sunday. This is who they were. They were entangled. They were sewn together. They were morphed. They were one with this truth. They went forth preaching everywhere. The Lord working with them. The Lord confirming signs following them. That's how and where and when it all got started. And they changed their world. God had an answer to then and God has an answer right now. Come on. God had an answer then and God has an answer right now. The prophet Haggai said, hath declared the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former house. The prophet Joel said, the former rain will be moderate compared to the latter rain. The floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with oil. And the time for that happening is right now. I boldly declare to you today that we are the same church here this morning that started on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled in. We must understand this morning we are not just another church on the corner of the street of a street in Webster, but we are the one true God, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled church. This is that that Joel and Peter agreed would come to pass, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. This is that. This right here this morning is that same Holy Ghost power. 
And until the sun is turned to darkness and the moon is turned to blood, we are the church that the prophets of old said that would have miracles, signs and wonders, healings would increase. They said greater works, greater glory, a greater house and a greater harvest. I can see it on your face this morning. Some of you really don't believe that. Some of you are saying, but you don't know, Brother Jay, I've tried and I'm barely hanging on. Some of you, are, your hope has been beaten up this morning. If we were to really tear down the walls this morning, we would say, I don't know whether I really believe this or not, Brother Jay. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost has sent me this morning to talk to a church and to tell a church this, what you feel right here this morning, what you felt when you began to worship the, Holy, the, the Lord, what you felt when you began to raise your hands and pray. This is the same that was delivered on the day of Pentecost, and it still works. It still works. It's still true. You know, I don't have an explanation for everything that's happened. But I have determined in my mind and in my heart, and you have to do the same for yourself because that's the only way it happens. But I, this young man, Jay Hilton, 37 years of age, has determined I don't care if every person I pray for dies. I don't care if every situation I want changed around doesn't change around. I don't care if God continually takes money out of my bank account and puts it away. I don't care what happens to me. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to sell out. Let me tell you. God has sent me this morning to tell somebody that's part of your problem. That's part of the reason why you're feeling so confused. That's why you're feeling so down all the time. You're up, you're down. You're up, you're down. You're up, you're down. But this morning, somebody needs to make up in your mind. I don't care if you do it in front of the church. I don't care if you do it when you get home. I don't care who knows about it and who doesn't. But somebody needs to make up in your mind this morning, Jesus, it's hard, but I'm going to take another step. Lord, I don't know where you're taking me, but I'm going to take another step. God, I don't see a finish line. I don't even see a light at the end of the tunnel. But God, I'm going to begin to walk. I'm going to begin to... Talk and I'm gonna keep praising your holy name. So, how are we gonna change our world today? We know how they did it. How are we gonna change it today? Once again, I'm glad you asked. The first way, the first way that we're gonna change our world today is through the power of God's word. Charles Spurgeon said it makes no more sense to defend the Bible than it does to defend the lion. You don't have to defend the line. You just let it loose. You just let it go. Let me tell you something today. You don't have to defend the Bible. You don't even have to defend the truth. You just turn it loose and you let it work. The word, the word, the word will stand all by itself. 
Why should we believe the Bible? It's actually made up of 66 different books written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, written in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, written by over 40 authors, most of whom who never knew each other because it took 15 years, 1,500 years to write this book. But look at the book. Every story ties together. Every message ties together. Every word ties together. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but by holy men of God. And they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It all ties because God wrote the book. The Bible is filled with names, dates, and places, all that can be verified through other sources. They have been, there have been over 20,000 archaeological digs related directly to accounts given in the Word of God, and not one of them can refute the Word of God. My friend, Brother McCoy, tells a story of, of, of an evangelist that went into a bar a long time ago, and he took his, his coat, and, and, and he walked into the bar, and he took his coat, and he threw it down on the table, and he started saying, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Hey, people, it's alive. I, I, I got it right here. And, he, and, and everybody began to turn around, and they began to, to, to gather around, and they began to look. And then he pulled his coat back, and he said, you see it? It's the Word of God. It's alive. It's alive, and it's true today. It has wisdom above every book. It comes alive in your heart. It'll set people free. It's alive. Think about it. Think about it with me today. When somebody stands up and quotes from the Quran, when they read the works of Confucius, when they read of those books of Eastern religions, what you get is a good lecture. What you get is something thought-provoking. What you get is an interesting conversation. But where is the power? Where is the authority? Where is the goosebumps that begin on the back of the neck and begin to flow down the spine all the way through to your toes? All other religions in their books read like a good novel. They read like a story, but there's no authority in those books. But Hebrews 4 and 12 says that the word of God is quick. Uh, it, is sh it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Uh, there's something about the Word of God. It sets apart from all other books because there's power in it. How are you going to change your world when we read the stories of the Bible? When you begin to share those stories of the Bible, when you begin to hear preaching from those scriptures, what happens? Somebody begins to jump up. Somebody starts shouting. Somebody's hope begins to start bubbling way down deep in their soul. You can't help it. I don't care how tough you think you are. But when you begin to read the word of God, something begins to come alive. A little sprig begins to break through the dirt and the crust of your soul. And it begins to sprout a leaf. And all of a sudden you start saying, what if this is real? What if this is real? And you keep reading and all of a sudden the word begins to break. Break through the clouds of darkness. Some of you are fighting depression. Some of you are fighting anxieties and things way out of your control. But you start reading the word of God. And I promise you, a ray of sunshine will begin to beam down. I can preach it because I know. 
I can preach it because I lived it, Sister Young. I can preach it because I remember when I lost 35 pounds in one month from anxiety. I remember when I was laying in my bed just waiting to die. I can preach this. I've been there. Some of you saying, but you don't really know my situation. Oh, trust me. I remember laying on the side of my bed saying, God, take me, take me, take me. And then I began to read the word of God. I didn't want to, nothing in my bones, nothing in my body wanted to open that Bible. But I began to open the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then I began to say, you know what, God, these words that I'm reading, that's you? Yes, Jay, that's me, son. And all of a sudden, a beam of sunlight began to come into my soul. And I began to rejoice. And I began to lift my head up. And I'll never forget the day it broke. Six months. I lived in a solid depression. And I'll never forget the day it broke. I remember hearing the birds chirp. I remember seeing how green the grass was. My wife and I were newlyweds. She thought I was crazy, and so did I. But God began to speak through his word. I began to read that word. I began to eat that word. I began to chew on that word. How are we going to change this world today? We need to read those stories in this Bible. We need to read this word. You can take any other book from any other religion, and you can bring it right here behind this anointed pulpit and start reading it, and all you're going to get is a good story, a good novel, a lot of nice words. But when you pick up the word of God and you start reading from these pages and you begin to get into this book and you begin to say, in the beginning was the word... There's something that begins to happen in your soul. There's power in the word. There's power in the word. Somebody's going to move out of their current situation. Somebody's going to start feeling conviction. Don't be scared of conviction. You better rejoice when conviction shows up. You better be scared when conviction's not there. <coughs> if God's convicting you, he's telling you, come back. Come back to me. Help me, Holy Ghost. There's some of us that have put on such facades. We've put on professional Pentecostalism. Where's the real power? Where's the real power? Aren't you tired of fake church? Aren't you tired of pretending? When are we going to get to a place where we begin to seek after God, that we just eat his word, and we consume this word? Some of us don't even know, know what to expect because we've never been there. I'm telling you, God is going to take some of us to places here in the next, I'm telling you, the rest of this year, God is going to begin to work miracles in some of our lives, and you're going to begin to eat the word like you've never eaten the word before, and God's going to begin to show you things, show you things that you've doubted. You read about the lame man at the gate, 
He looked at Peter and John. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. That's because there's power in the word. I said there's power in the word. It'll make you move. It'll make you shout. It'll make you sing. It'll make you dance. It'll make you do things you never thought you would do. That scares some of you. That's all right. I feel you. I know what you're going through. I said, Jesus, this was, some of you saw it. I don't know. My boys didn't see it, and they asked me to do it again. I said, well, when God calls, I will. But God, I said, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I want to be whatever you want me to be. He said, lay down and roll. And I began to lay down and roll across this front, and the Holy Ghost began to move into my life. I felt like a fool, but the more I rolled, the more I told, the more I come across this front, I didn't even know where I was at, but God began to touch me, and I began to say, Jesus, what is it I need to do, Lord? I need a shaking. I need a stirring in my soul. I know that I'm not right with you. I know that I come in here and I lead service and I try to get everybody excited and I try to get everybody to worship. But God, I want something from you that I've never had before. I want something from you and I don't care who knows or who sees it. I want to do whatever I have to do, God. I want to do whatever I have to do, Lord. This power, it's real. There's power. In the word of God. The second way we're going to change our world is through the power of the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name used in other religions, but there, there's none other name like the name of Jesus. When we speak the name of Jesus, there's power found in that name. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. Brother T.W. Barnes says that it's the name of Jesus that signs the checkbooks of heaven. We need to learn to call on that name no matter where you're at, no matter what situation. Acts 4 and 12 says, neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, all power is given unto, he unto me in heaven and in earth by my name. And John 13 and 14 says, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Colossians 3 and 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in my name. Do it all in my name. Mama, get up and make coffee in the name of Jesus. Daddy, get up and put your boots on for work in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody needs to punch a time clock at work and say, I do it in the name of Jesus. When you say the name of Jesus, demons tremble. Demons begin to tremble all over the world because they know his name. Souls are saved in the name of Jesus. The sick are healed at his name. The demon possessed are delivered at his name. I was preaching in Mexico. And I'll never forget. This guy with dark sunglasses came in in the middle of the service. The pastor was translating. And I didn't feel the power of God one iota. Those people worshiped and didn't stop them. I worshiped with them, but I didn't feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I didn't feel the power of the Lord. In fact, Brother George, everything was going slower because I had a translator. I didn't know what to do. I was all down here in Mexico all by myself, and I was scared. 
Actually, I was with a friend, but he was as scared as I was. So we were just preaching, and we were doing what we knew to do. And here comes this big, burly man walking in, and he had these sunglasses that you couldn't see his eyes. And he came in, to, and he stood right in the middle of the aisle, and he, and he looked like this. And he just stood there, and he bowed up, and he swole up. And I'm a pretty big guy, but this guy was intimidating. And he stood there like this, and I said, in the name of Jesus. And he, he just dropped to his knees. And he began to lift his hands. And he began to shake. And then all of a sudden, the pastor I was with said, in the name of Jesus, demons come out. And he began to pound the concrete. And he began to hit the concrete with his fist. And the pastor grabbed his arm and said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And that man began to shout. And he began to dance. And he began to worship and praise in the Holy Ghost. When you say the name of Jesus, demons tremble. When you say the name of Jesus, the lame man at the gate will get up. And the lame man did get up. They asked Peter, how did this happen? He said, the miracle happened because of his name. Because of the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. The well, I know I've told you this already, but I'm going to say it again. There was a well-known evangelist that was preaching overseas. Thousands had gathered together. And they were looking for healing. It was a healing service. And he said, okay, I'm going to do a little experiment this morning. He said, I'm going to first pray over you in the name of Muhammad. And he said, if you get your healing, I'll go to the hotel. I'll pack up my bags and I'll leave. Then I'm going to pray for you in the, in the name of Buddha. And, and, and if you get your healing there, I'll pack up my, whole, my, my bags and I'll leave. And he began to pray in the name of Muhammad that somebody would receive their healing. And nobody received their healing. And then he began to pray in the name of Buddha. And somebody, nobody began to raise their hand. No, nothing was stirring. Nothing was happening. And then he said, now I'm going to pray over you in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden he said, you can see it on the video. He said that a sound from heaven came rushing in like a mighty wind and the Holy Ghost began to fall and people were healed one after another one after another and they begin to chant Jesus is Lord Jesus is Lord Jesus is Lord come on sit down I gotta hurry I gotta hurry there's power in the name there's power in the name of Jesus. What's that name? What's that name? Come on, what's that name? Who is that that brings healing? Who is it that brings salvation? There's power in the name. Maybe somebody needs a healing in your body this morning. You've been to the doctors, you looked everywhere, you've talked to everybody, you've Googled, you've envied, you've searched, you've done it all, and everybody has given you no hope. Nobody really has clues. They're just guessing. But there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. The third thing is, and the last thing, the way we're going to change this world is through the power of the Holy Ghost. Anywhere you go in the world, people react to the Holy Ghost the same way. If you preach the Holy Ghost, people get convicted of their sins and they come to the altar and repent. It happened on the day of Pentecost and it's still happening today because the power of the Holy Ghost is real.
I wish some of it would happen in this place right now. There's power in the Holy Ghost. There's power to set you free. There's power to deliver you. Let me tell you something, church. This world solicits our children 24-7 relentlessly through billboards, through magazines, through propaganda, through TV. They're after their souls. They're after our souls. There's power in the name of the Holy, in the name of Jesus and power in the Holy Ghost. We need to get our children to church. We need to preach this. Oh, but Jay, the crowds, the crowds aren't really doing that right now. Narrow is the path and few that follow. Jay, you're, you're, you're going old school, man. I don't know. That's, that's a little far-fetched. Let's, let's, just calm, let's just calm down, Jay. Let's talk about this, okay? There's a biblical way that we can explain this to people. There's a biblical way that we can explain this to our young people and to our children. You know, we, we can't really talk forward to them. Let me tell you something. If you knew what your young people really knew, it'd scare the daylights out of you. If you knew what your young people were really discussing when you weren't around, it would shock you. Don't tell me young people aren't ready for the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me our children aren't ready to hear about the power of the Holy Ghost and the way that it fell upon them and the way that it showed up with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Let me tell you, eternity is a long time for me to trust in some man and some preacher and some minister to say, do you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. Well, then your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. No, no, no. I, I believe I believe you have to do that. You have to accept Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior because it won't work any other way. And that's good. And I'm not dogging those people for saying that because that is what you've got to do. But there's more that's got to go to it. There's more that's got to happen. As, a, as my own soul and my own self, I've got to have more than just a man's terms saying that my name is written. Lord, i got to know for myself. i got to know. i got to have something that no man can give me. I've got to have something down deep in my soul. And then all of a sudden, I begin to pray. I'll never forget it. I was a young man. I began to worship the Lord. And I don't even know what began to happen, but God took over my tongue. And I began to speak with another tongue. And then I didn't care who was around me. I didn't care who heard it. And I began to speak. And I began to rejoice in the Lord. And I felt something start to change in my heart. I felt something start to change. And the power of the Holy Ghost began to fill my life. The power of the Holy Ghost is real. It's real. It's more real than you're reacting this morning. Hey, that's okay. I've been there. I'm just trying to get your boats in the water I'm already swimming in. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. What can we do? We can reach our world. We can reach our world. We're too comfortable. Too much. We have too much. We were talking about it this morning. We don't need Jesus. I was telling them about my grandmother. I can remember her telling stories of how her mother used to have to walk. They would walk for a couple of miles to get to church, and her mother would take extra clothes because they had to cross a river. And they, they had a, a path where they could cross that was up about chest high. 
And then they would, she would hold the clothes over the head and they would all change clothes for the, next, for the service. And then they would walk back home and they'd put the wet clothes back on and cross back and go to the house. They needed Jesus. They didn't have anything. They depended on the weather for their farms. They depended on the weather for their food. We're just upset if the pastor isn't here. We're upset if we don't get to hear a, a, a prima donna sermon. I'm telling you, we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the power of the Holy Ghost. We need to get back to the word of God. And we need to get back to the name of Jesus. You cannot go wrong if you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I, it's been a long time since I've heard somebody walking the aisles just praying in the Holy Ghost. Just worshiping in the Holy Ghost. I remember Sister D. Barbaris and, and other elders of our church. They used to just sing and praise in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the building could have fell down around them and they wouldn't have known because they were caught up in another place. They were caught up in a place that I'm striving for. They were caught up in the places that we're going to get to as a church, but we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to get out of our comfort zone. I'm big enough to pick some of you up and throw you into baptism, but I can't. it doesn't work that way. I'm big enough to come back there and carry some of y'all to the altar, but it doesn't work that way. We got to find this for ourselves. What are you worried about? Are you worried about your 401k? Are you worried about your house? Are you worried about, you can stand with me. Are you worried about your cars? Are you worried about your next promotion on your job? Are you worried about your friend that's sitting next to you? I don't want to talk to you as a crowd this morning. I don't want to talk to you as a congregation, but I want to talk to you as an individual. Separated from your wife and your husband. Separated from your parents and your children. There's a coming a day that you will have to reconcile with God for yourself and you alone. when that day comes I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost I want to I want to commune with him last night I began to pray and I was walking my house and it was just an overwhelming joy it was just an overwhelming peace and all the cares that are so heavy on my shoulders and all the cares that are so heavy on my life, I begin as even, I know some of you don't believe me. Some of you think I'm just saying this because I'm preaching this morning. But I, I begin to say, God, I've barely got a grip on this thing right now, Lord. And and if I even loosen my grip a little bit, there's no telling what's going to happen. But as the peace of the Lord came into my house, I began to say, okay, God, you can have it. You can have it, Lord. And I begin to put the cares 
and the frustrations and the concerns. And I begin to put the fears that I was carrying so close to me. I, get, I begin to lay them at the feet of Jesus. This is not complicated. I don't, I don't know how to preach from the Greek. <laughs> I, can, I barely understand the King James Version. But it's not rocket science. Jesus is here to seek and save that which was lost. If you're hurting this morning, and if you have no hope, maybe you just got a little bit of hope. Maybe you've been dealing with a trial that seems hopeless. God is, is here this morning to change your situation. Oh, but Brother Jay, I hear messages on second chances all the time, but you don't understand, Brother Jay. <laughs> I'm in the hundreds. Second chance was when I was eight. I, I, there's no there's no hope just like the song says his mercy endures forever and God wants to change somebody tonight as the lights are dim brother Jonathan God is wanting to move on somebody right now he's wanting to encourage somebody that you can make it with every head bowed and eye closed Lord, right now, you see the one that's gripping the pew the tightest, God. You see the one that wants to come, but they're just, they're just not going to do it, Lord. I pray that you would move on them right where they're at. Lord, that you would begin to heal them right where they're at. That you would begin to touch them and touch their need right where they're at in the middle of their storm, God. It's your name, Jesus. I proclaim the name of Jesus over their situation right now. I proclaim, I've preached the word of God today, God. In the name of Jesus, touch their situation. This altar is open this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come. Commune with him. Come. He's knocking. He wants you to let him in. Hallelujah, Jesus. Right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you don't want to come to the altar, just bow your head right where you're at. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is moving this morning. The Holy Ghost is beginning to tear down walls. In the name of Jesus, right now, God, right now, Lord, that your anointing would begin to pour out, God. Lord, that you would touch us in a way that you've never touched us before. That you would move through the calluses of the heart, Lord. That you would move through the pain of this life, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray with one another. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's pray with one another right now.